right, let's do this. All right. Welcome back to the Reimagining Work From Within podcast. I'm Anique Coffey, one of your hosts, and I've got my brilliant co-host here, Jeff Melnick. Hey, Anique, how are you? Doing great. Doing great. Excited to be in like a really fun podcast studio today instead of just in my office. You're getting totally profesh over there, aren't you? You're actually in a booth. I am sitting on my floor in a, like trying to be as quiet as possible because, of course, they've chosen this week to do some building work on the side of my apartment. So if at for any reason you hear a loud squealing sound, it's some sort of scraping machine on the outside of my windowsill. Apologies. <laughs> good to know. Good to know. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we're coming today with a bit of what we like to call what's in the field. And it's for us, the field is everything that's around us, the energy field, the political sphere, anything that's happening. Our field could also just be things happening within our own family. And we bring that with us into our present moment. And right now there's a lot going on in the field. And for me, I'll just speak about you know, where I'm at right this moment. We this week and last week have been doing a lot more in-person work with clients, which is super joyful. And as an empath, that means I'm being exposed to a lot more energies because I'm around a lot more people. And yes, you can read energy over Zoom, but being in person, it brings a whole different flavor of reading what's in the field and kind of reading the energy. And it's really hard not to sense what's in the field right now with everything going on in Ukraine and around us. So we did not want to let this moment pass without talking about it, bringing it into the light, sharing experience of our connection to it and humanizing it in a way, I guess, Jeff. And I know that you've got a really personal connection to it. So today is all about having a conversation about what we're seeing, what we're hearing, and of course, how it relates to leadership and how it relates to workplace culture. So can you just tell yeah, us I, yeah, a bit about your context for it and how it's personal for you? Yeah, thanks, Anique. And I, I echo that. I, I mean, I've gotten a lot of phone calls, messages from our clients and other leaders just asking, how do we respond to crisis like this and, and what should they do? And it's got me thinking about the different levels of kinds of response that uh, a leader can take and, and, and that businesses can take. And we're definitely seeing a lot of that happening right now. So really grateful for the opportunity to talk about it. I think I'll talk a little bit about my personal connection, but I want to give a bit of an opening disclaimer. I mean, we aren't economists at Within. We aren't political strategists. We are, you know, culture folk who, who want to make sure that leaders can create the business they love. We're also not historians. There's a lot that's going on in Ukraine that has a deep historical context, which I'll touch on a little bit, but this isn't a history podcast. Although sometimes I feel like it could potentially be a pop culture podcast if we lean too much in one direction. And yeah, Ukraine is personal to me. My, my great-grandparents left in 1894, Petro and Anna. They were leaving oppression at the time. They're 
they're from West Ukraine. So when you're seeing a lot of things happening right now in Lviv, also a place called Ivano-Frankivsk, you'll see that happening uh, a lot over the coming days. There's a lot of uh, movement over to that part of the country. I visited there uh, in 2019 and, and I got to see the place where my great-grandparents had left and really build a connection there, I'm the only person in my family that's been able to go back. And so it's it's really important. Yeah, it's it's an important place. It's always been important in our family. We are Canadian, but we are Ukrainian-Canadian. So I've, I do feel like this situation is, has been impacting me, but it is impacting our clients and their people, and, and sometimes directly and in other ways indirectly. Um, and I think one other thing that's important to me about this situation is that this is a situation that is at its core about democracy and it is about freedom and i think at within we are about equity and equality in the system of work and i when you look at the macro system of the world democracy is hugely important for us to have equality and and equity in our system and i think really the story of the ukrainian people has been that struggle for freedom and people don't know this story. I think people think of Ukraine as, some people just think of it as, you know, oh, it was part of the Soviet Union, must be part of Russia. It's not. There's a, a large story that goes on for centuries, and that has been a, a story of oppression for many centuries. So it's an important story. I know that not everybody's going to connect to that because we all have our own cultural backgrounds. But I think where we're starting to see it matter to people is in business impact. So we're starting to feel the emotional impact of it. It's a it's a very heavy topic. It's filling our airways. My doom scrolling has increased in a way that I need to probably watch myself. <laughs> I feel like that's not good for my well-being. So if I'm doing that, obviously others will be as well. But it's starting to matter on a global scale when we start looking at supply chain, financial markets, and people that have teams or business operations in Eastern Europe, be it Russia, Ukraine, or Poland, you know, Belarus, uh, whatnot, it's going to be impacting you. And it is already impacting us here in the US. I don't know what's been happening in the UK. I've been tried, trying to follow that, Anique, but what have you been noticing in the UK in terms of indirect or direct impacts? Yeah, I think for me, it's been a lot about the team's element. Talking to a couple of my clients this week who have been perhaps frustrated with performance or frustrated with wobbles they've had on their team of people like not showing up as they should, not stepping up, not stepping into accountability and thinking that that's just, oh, well, perhaps they don't have the experience without bringing empathy into it to think what else is in the field of my people right now? Because right. even yeah. if they're not based in Eastern Europe, the doom scrolling, the what's in our field, the watching the news, the talking to people, the questions and you know, even families who are in the military and the unsuredness of right. what's going to happen in other countries. We have a little of that in our family and wondering just yeah. the fear of it. So back to the leadership angle, though, it's been about just noticing what's in everyone's field and leaders who are or aren't coming to their people and creating space for them to process this or to just think, I wonder what's going on for them in a more empathetic way. I'm seeing yeah. some of that this week specifically. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So is it time for leaders to act? And if it is, why are they choosing to act over the Ukraine instead of other humanitarian causes that have affected their people in the last two years? 
Yeah, I think that's a really important question. And I think we're starting to see already rumblings of that or people drawing, you know, connections between this crisis to other humanitarian crises around the world. I think let's let's start there. Like, why are they just choosing to act over Ukraine now? I think connection to issues like Black Lives Matter is really important in this place in terms of really thinking about how things are impacting their people. I know it's a it's a separate social issue, but I think as we go through the podcast today, I want to talk a little bit about that connection because I do see them as connected especially when we start to think about democracy equity and freedom mm. I think that the the visibility on media right now of all brands and how they respond to things is it's very prescient. I mean, how you show up right now for any crisis is being noticed. So I think leaders are are stepping into that. I think the relatability to our own Western context is important to consider with this one. We have more empathy for people who are like us. That's just human nature. And when we see Europeans who are being displaced from their from their homes, it will touch us in our Western context. That doesn't make it right that we would think of this crisis over something like Syria or Yemen or Eritrea, but it's real. So so let's acknowledge that. And I think there has been a Russian pressure cooker that's been going on for quite some time. Let's remember that this conflict actually started in 2014 in Crimea. So this has been going on for quite some time. And so I think it's about it's about time that we did something is kind of where we're at. But your question is, do leaders need to act or should they act? Um, I think that COVID and Black Lives Matter really demonstrated how work and life are more integrated. We're starting to see that the world is more interconnected. What happens in one place impacts us all. So it's impossible to ignore what's happening. And it's impossible to ignore it from an emotional level. Right. As you were saying, Anique, it's in it's in our field. It's happening around us. So we can't ignore that. But it's also Im- impossible to ignore what's happening on a business operations level and economics level, the stability of, of our of our communities. And the locus of control of what businesses can do right now is really limited on something like this. I mean, some businesses might not have any impact at all. And well, and I think we can unpack that a little bit. But Every business has an opportunity to respond to any humanitarian or social issue. And how they choose to do that really is up to the culture and 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 their connection to that to that impact. And I th- I think what leaders struggle with is how should they respond? How might they respond? And and sometimes that comes down to the pressure of how they think they should respond versus to genuinely what is the kind of response that they, that they need to take. Yeah. You mentioned the locus of control. I'm not familiar with that term. Tell me what that means. And then if there is like some kind of semblance of control, like what are the steps that you can possibly take? Yeah, great question. So locus of control is in any given situation, what what power do we actually have to shift a situation? So in in your day-to-day life, when things feel overwhelming, you tend to have lost sight with your locus of control. So coming back to what can I change? What's the power that I have to make a shift in my own world? And so with any humanitarian crisis, when something's far away, people genuinely and generally feel that they can't do much to act because it's too far away. 
that's why things that's why things like charity appeals work right if you give some money you're helping and it helps people to know oh i've done something and and so when it comes to businesses they will go through that same process what can we actually do yep and i mean on personal level and even employees like i have a friend who i was going to have drinks with tonight and she isn't able to make it because she spun up an international women's day drinks for ukraine so like there's it happens on the in, yeah it happens on the individual level too of this feeling of powerlessness in a way like should we act can we act can we even move the needle or make any sort of effective helpful change don't know and beautiful intersectionality because of course today is International Women's Day as we're recording and and that you know how are women being impacted on Ukraine and so how can women take some element of control being far away and support. And and so I think she was then stepping into that, right? What can I do right. that would be meaningful to me? Yep. So in the context of leaders and our clients, what are kind of some of the steps that, that leaders can take? I think there's three key steps for Ukraine, which would be the same for any other social movement or large-scale disruption. I think we should look at them through the lens of Ukraine because that's what's happening right now. It's very present. But I think there's a bit of a reminder here for leaders of of this almost sequence that they can go through when something like this happens. I want to draw on Black Lives Matter and COVID as a bit of a connection to that. We've lived through those really recently. They're very important. I think they really shone a light on what business should and shouldn't do. And I want to use the word should and shouldn't with care here because I'm not telling anyone ever you should do that. But I think there's kind of a maybe do that as helpful and maybe other things which are maybe not so helpful. It's an invitation. (laughs) It's an invitation. Thank you. So I think step one, whenever anything like this happens is to listen for leaders just to stop the tendency for leaders is to rush to solve and step into action they might even be having a lot of pressure from people around them or even they feel like i need to act right but really if we just stop to listen to people first checking in how are they feeling what do they need right now and just creating that space to really acknowledge and understand the emotional impact and the heaviness of what's going on. And I think, Anik, you really positioned that well at the beginning around, this is happening, people are feeling this. So rather than rushing into solution, can we just make the space to understand it? And and we saw that how important that was with Black Lives Matter. I think a lot of leaders rushed into having to solve something or demonstrate something, and they left behind the people who are mostly being impacted be it their black team members who they didn't check in with or didn't ask what they needed right now. And the impact of that is that it's then really all about the business or the leader rather than those that are actually feeling the stress of the moment. And and Anik, what you said about it's hard to perform at work when I can't connect in to what's going on around me is really critical. And I think we saw that with COVID. We saw that with Black Lives Matter. And I think this is something that we're going to have to just see ongoing now. Can leaders just take the time to, to, to create the space? Yeah, there's a really good little anecdote from one of Brene Brown's Dare to Lead podcast that was around the Black Lives Matter, for example, or for that using that example, which was a Black person on her team came to her and said, this happened to me. 
And Brene was like, we're having a come to Jesus meeting, she calls them. We're having a come to Jesus meeting right now. Everyone in my office, we're fixing this instead of, because she was caring and she wanted to support her her, her team member. Yeah. It was well-intentioned. Instead of stopping, checking in with her energy as the leader, checking in with her energy and actually listening to the person on her team. Actually, what do you need me to do? How can I support you right now? So this idea, I yeah. think you're right, of like the jumping into action instead of actually listening to what's needed down, asking your people what support they'd like to see. Yeah, and you might not have Ukrainian or Russian team members. Maybe you don't have a business operation there. What's going on will still be impacting people emotionally. And if you do have business operations or you do have Ukrainians, Russians, people from Poland in your team, they will be feeling this right now. So how do you take that moment just to create the pause and and speak to it? Speak to it in all hands. Mm. Speak to it in, in your one-to-ones. And, and so I think the core questions for any leader right now, just to raise it up a context level, is just to ask themselves, like, how do I listen in my business? Ongoing. It doesn't have to be when there's a crisis happening, but how am I a listener in my business? And how do I do that without my direct impulse to solve and take action like the Brene story? Because that's the, that's the next thing. It's got to jump in to solve. And really, if this first step is about listening, that's enough. That's where we start. Okay. Great. Listen first. Where do we go next? Next step is definitely to show support. And all brands show support in their own way. I think there was a bit of a template that was going on with Black Lives Matter, which I was quite critical about, about how that how that showing support was was happening. I think people didn't know how to show support. I, f- I feel like now what I'm noticing with Ukraine is people are starting to find their own way that is is right for their business and culturally aligned to who they are and their values to show support. So, for example, um, our sort of cousin creative agency in the UK, Nice and Serious, they've been with us from day one. They built our first website. They're awesome. Little plug for them. (laughs) They've been selling posters that them and their team have designed represent their feelings around Ukraine. So they're a creative agency. It makes sense they would do something like that and all the money that they raise for the sale of those posters goes towards, um, I think it's UNHCR, one another agency like that. I think you've got brands like Balenciaga, their fashion show this week was quite interesting, which really featured climate change and Ukraine represented. And I think it's interesting when we think about fashion, we don't tend to think of them as being on the zeitgeist of social issues. They are. I think fashion is very represented in social issues. They just don't sometimes get the credit for that. And this was this was quite groundbreaking what they did. So it really it really opens up the awareness around around the issue and, and brands doing that in their own way, I think allows accessibility for different people to find their way into the cause. I think giving to to charity or humanitarian causes you always have that option to do that as a leader and, and as a business. You don't need to share that externally. I've I've never been a fan of that. I find that sometimes that's that's virtue signaling virtue on its own. Signaling, yeah. yeah, but and there's a lot of causes that you can support right now, and that's up to the business to decide to do that. And I and I feel like you know some of the some of the messaging around Black Lives Matter was virtue signaling, and I think we'll see that with Ukraine as well. Why do I think this is important? I think people rallying together 
on any cause is critical for a movement. In Ukraine's case, we need more awareness of what's going on. People are not aware of the issues there. And I think the more awareness we have, the more understanding people can have of, of A, why this is important and why it will impact them, but also what they can actually do that's meaningful for them. And so with things like Black Lives Matter, or let's, we don't have time today to talk about Florida passing the Don't Say Gay bill. We'll cover that on another, <laughs> no, another we edition. Won't. I can't. I will be so furious. <laughs> can't, okay. I can't talk about it. I'm sorry. I can't. Apologies. <laughs> but if we don't get the visibility and the awareness out there, movements don't spark the change. And it's people that create changes. It compels politicians to act. It compels legislation to move in a direction that works for everybody and creates equity within our system. So it is really important to show support. Absolutely. Okay. Should we do our, what's step three? This is our last step in our three-step process, right? Step three is make a shift. And what we'd like to see and what I recommend is that you you go beyond the showing of support or go beyond the giving of, of money or giving of resources and start to think how this impacts your own business operations. I think with Black Lives Matter, there was a call to bring more awareness to systemic racism across the world, specifically America, because that's where the movement started. But what it actually asked of business leaders to do is start to think about their own system. They've created a system within their business. And what are they willing to do to create more equity within their system? We've seen good examples of that. We've seen businesses that haven't been able to follow through with that. I think something like Pride and LGBTQ plus causes, those ask businesses to consider representation. But business very rarely does anything around that kind of movement. That's been going on for quite some time. I'd like to see more there. Again, we don't have time today. <laughs> Global conflict is slightly a different situation. And I think there's three different kinds of shifts that we're already starting to see. And this, this has happened super fast. And it's been really interesting to watch. So the first kind of shift is we have to change something in our business operations. So this is where where legislation, sanctions, the rules of the game have changed and business is going to have to adapt, adopt, or change. So we're seeing that in media. So CNN and, and BBC can't operate in Russia right now without their staff being imprisoned. So they have to change the way their business works in order to make that happen. They have to pull out or stop what they're doing. The big four consulting firms have all distanced themselves from Russia um, and from the Russian business units that they have there. And I think that's primarily down to the difficulty around sanctions and regulation. So how can they operate with any integrity when there are deep economic sanctions happening in those regions? Visa, MasterCard, Amex, it's really difficult to keep their operations running under those conditions. So Amex said this week, in light of Russia's ongoing unjustified attack on the people of Ukraine, American Express is suspending all operations in Russia. Yeah. So they've made a clear statement about it. And I think they can't operate right now. So that's a huge impact to your business. You know, that's a huge market for them. So that's the have to. 
Then there's the think you have to do something. And this to me is being seen to be doing the right thing. This is the, the bit of the morality side of ethics. Is it moral for us to be operating? There's a swell of global support for the Ukrainian resistance. And so being on the side of the oppressed gives brands a bit of a halo. I hate thinking about things that way. It really breaks my heart, but that is the reality of what's going on. And I just, there's a, almost a ticker on the New York Times every day that's showing around the world who's doing what. And there's quite a few I would pop in this category. I'm going to put big tech in this category. I think Google and Facebook, sorry, Meta, um, <laughs> not taking advertising revenue from within Russia and stopping content from Russian state media. I think there's been some regulation around that. So Google says they've blocked ads related to the conflict because they don't want people to take advantage of the conflict for financial gain. And they've also been told by Russian regulators that they can and cannot say certain things regarding the war. So that would be in the have-to side. But I'm putting all big tech in this category because they've had a chance to act on this since 2014, and they haven't. And what was interesting in 2014 with the annexation of Crimea was brands like Amazon, eBay, Google, all cut services to, to Crimea during that situation. They didn't impact anything on their Russian operations, but they stopped their operations in Crimea. And what's really interesting for a brand like Google, with the kind of pressure that they go under, if you go onto Google Maps today, there's a little dotted line between Crimea and the rest of Ukraine, almost to show that Crimea is part of Russia. What I understand, I can't confirm this, is if you're in Russia and you look at Google Maps, it will tell you that Crimea is part of Russia because mm. that's what Google has been Pressured shown to do. they need to do right. to keep operating in Russia. Now, Google also has 100 team members in Russia, so obviously they need to be cautious of their safety because Russia can imprison any individual employee in a business who is seen to be going against Russian legislation, that's tricky. But I think big tech always goes on the side of what do we think we should be doing, be seen to be doing, rather than what might we do. That's interesting that you bring back like the history of that, of like, they could have been making these systemic changes ages ago. And all of a sudden, there's something that is making them think they have to now. Like, what is that precipice, that catalyst all of a sudden? Yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah, I, I, I think a full-scale invasion of Ukraine that puts its sovereignty at risk is slightly different than the annexation of Crimea. People made a lot of excuses around that. Oh, Crimea has always been part of Russia. It's Russian-speaking. Maybe it's okay that they do that. But... Again, we don't have time to go into the full history of that. It's just interesting to note yeah. who did what at that time. And who's making moves now and in what way. So it's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Okay. So we've had you have to do something. We have you think you've had to do something. And then there's the want to. So these are the leaders and the businesses that have a choice to impact their business. And this is based around ethics and morality. So should we be doing business in a nation with less regard for human rights and who have no respect for the sovereignty of another state. So this has been the, the quandary over all of capitalism's joyful <laughs> right. journey. And, and I think we're going to see a lot of this over the coming years. It's interesting today to see that Joe Biden has said the U.S. will stop buying oil 
from Russia. So is that a, a have to, a think they have to, or a want to? Europe obviously facing this big quagmire. Russia supplies 30% of its oil and gas, which heats Europeans' homes. So on what level would an individual be willing to make a sacrifice towards the cause. And I think with business, it's the same thing. What level of sacrifice would be willing to make to our business in order to stand up ethically or morally against something that we don't believe in? I think one interesting case study here is is Netflix. Last week, they refused to comply with a new law which required platforms with more than 100,000 subscribers to air Russian state TV channels. So Bloomberg ha- said that they have that Netflix has fewer than one million subscribers in the country, but that's still significant. Definitely, right? And so, so you know, Netflix could go, yeah, okay, you know, we'll air Russian TV. That's fine, we can do that. But instead, Netflix just said, no, we'll pull out. We don't need this, right? We don't need to keep going. We don't. We'll operate under our own rules. Thank you. Obviously, we weren't at the board table when that decision was made, but I thought that was just an interesting one when we compare what Meta, Google, Apple are doing, who are also broadcasters and streamers, and the difference to that. So I think the want to category is interesting. I think even thinking about our own business, Anique, would you know, would we want? to be doing business. We don't do business in Russia. None of our clients do. Would we want to be doing business there right now? I and mean, that's an ethical question. It's an ethical question. And immediately my brain went to like values alignment. Like we think a lot about our values and about aligning with clients who have similar values than us. So perhaps that's like a filter that we look at this question through, but I don't know. And I just wanted to say thank you so much for all your doom scrolling because these case studies are (laughs) eliminating the path for me. I didn't know about any of these examples. And it's fascinating to see how other brands and leaders are responding or not. Yeah, it's it's an interest. There's a lot like once you start going in, you have to follow the trail, don't you? Because it's sort of because I'm like, well, I can't stop at what Google's doing today. I need to go further. What did they do with Crimea when I when? I saw the map that enraged me slightly. Sure, <laughs> sure. Yeah. You're, you went deep and we're kind of grateful, I, yeah. even though. Thank you. My next invitation for you is just going to be like, take care of yourself because this is a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, okay, you asked, do we want to? Like, what if you don't want to take action? What if you don't fall into any of these three categories? Well, first of all, I hope that all leaders will always listen and show support because I think those first two big themes are important. That's mm. for anything. If you don't want to take action to your own business impacts, I think I look, that's up to that's up to you. You're running a business. Um I'd question why, but if you know why you do or do not, that's most important. What's your intention? And an example that I found for that from this week is Uniqlo. So their CEO said that clothing is a necessity of life and the Russian people have the same right to live as we do. So they're saying, look, we need to keep our stores open because Russian people are going to need clothes. Interesting. So it's it's but that's the intention, right? Let's let's keep that going for our markets. They've also donated 10 million to UNHCR and donated clothing to be distributed to Ukrainian refugees. So I think 
in doing that, they've also shown the other side. I feel like they're saying we can see both sides. I respect that. Yeah. I think to be able to go like, yeah, we can we can see what's needed on on both sides. That's different from abstaining from a vote in the UN Security Council. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's being able to act on both sides, which is interesting. I think it's it's interesting to think what happens if we don't act. And this situation continues. And and one resource that I really encourage everyone to to access is is the work of Anne Applebaum. There's lots of podcasts out there. There's lots of YouTube stuff. Her books are incredible. She really is an expert on what's been going on in Ukraine, Poland, and Russia over the past couple of decades. And what she's saying is what Putin is most afraid of right now is the voice and freedom of his own people people. And what he's what this conflict is really about is him being able to assert power and dominance in order for his own people to continue to remain under his grip. And I really feel that until the Russian people stand up and start their own revolution and many of them have and I applaud them this situation's not going to go away. And it's really up to the Russian people to stand up and say, no, we don't stand for this. Don't do this in our name. Only then are, uh, do I feel like we're going to get some aspect of peace coming out of this. And I think this is going to take quite some time. And so if brands that are operating in Russia can somehow support that, I don't know how they can. <laughs> I, But I do feel like helping Russians to understand what's going on and to feel the pinch a little bit is going to go a long way. So yeah, I, I urge you to access Anne's writing and thinking as she's really much more well-versed on the geopolitical sparks that have been going on. Mm, so many good resources. Thank you. Okay, so those are all the ways leaders can help. And the different ways they can step in if they think they have to, have to, or want to. What's sort of our our summary? What's our, our big takeaway from this for you, Jeff? Well, let's just go through them again. So there's three steps. First, listen. And as we said, this should be the foundation of leadership anyways. So it's good practice right now. Create the space. Give people the chance to share how they're feeling and understand where they're at without trying to solve. Step two, show support. Do that in your own way. The more visibility that we have around social issues, including Ukraine, the more educated people become and can choose to act in their own way. And you can show support in your own way. There is not one way to do this. Do something that makes sense for you and your business. And then step three, consider the kind of shift that you would need to make to your business operations and understand is that because we have to, because we think we have to, or because we want to. And there's no judgment around those three that will be dependent on your business. And, and stepping into that is, is important to consider for your particular operations. So yeah, any I, I really value us having the space to have the conversation today. And it's been great for me to almost like process the thinking for myself to put this together because I think that's helped me to to really think about where I can show support and what I need to do as a leader and, and what we might want to do with our own business. But I'm curious about what's landed for you today. Yeah, I've really valued the space too, by the way, Jeff, because I've I think I've been in kind of that camp of like, I don't know what to do. And one of my sort of key learnings is 
this beautiful framework that you've brought to us today that helps anyone, leaders in our context, but anyone step into these conversations in a really grounded and empathetic way, like the listening and then showing support in your way. It's so simple, but I have already noticed some leaders in the last couple of weeks rushing to solve or rushing to step into action instead of bringing more self-awareness to their journey and stepping back and listening. And I think it's been really interesting to think about it in the context of performance with teams. I've been noticing that more and more and just making that connection of like when there are big things happening in the field, the same kind of performance issues come up for teams, like the stories I'm hearing and the, the gripes for of lack of a better word from our leaders are really reminiscent of Black Lives Matter and COVID. So I think this framework mm-hmm. you've brought is something that can really like span the test of time and be used in lots of different ways. And it's super simple. Like it just starts with listening. Yeah. Thank you. And I think I think when we start with listening, we can step into the right kind of action because we're connected to what's most important. And we're, we're really drawing on the diversity of the perspective in our teams. I think that's critical. I, I think that I've also been thinking about that drive for performance. I think the world is quite tired right now. And how are we kinder to ourselves? I think we can do great creative work without pushing ourselves to meet some sort of goals or targets that feel almost arbitrary. And I feel that if we consciously right now thought about what do we need to heal from the the years that we've just been through and apply that to the future uncertainty and challenges that we're going to face, I think we'll be much more resourced to step into real creative solutions that really work for everybody. So I feel that even in this conversation today, just be having that reminder of what do we need to do as a team to maybe take the pedal off the metal a little bit and come back to what's most important to us would be probably the most important thing we could do to act right now. I think that's super important. And you brought up something really just interesting. I was talking with my husband last night about his team and he's like, I think we're starting to kind of make some of the same mistakes and repeat the same kind of things that we did during COVID and, but we're emerging from it. Why is this happening? And I think it's because leaders haven't taken the time to hit pause to say, what have we learned here? What really served us and didn't serve us? Okay. What do we need to intentionally take forward now? And I think this idea of like listening, checking in with your people is one of those things like you can do it right this time. This is your opportunity to actually check in with people and perhaps take your pedal off the metal and, you know, listen and rela- just settle in and ask people, how can I support you now? Let's do it. <laughs> Humanizing the workforce, one conversation at a time. <laughs> Great. All right, Jeff. Well, thank you so much for this conversation. Really humbling and beautiful chat with you today. I know this has been on your mind and I'm glad we got a chance to talk about it. And thank you to all of you for listening to Reimagining Work From Within. We release podcasts every other week, and you can find us wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks, See everyone. See you later. Bye-bye. And bye-bye now. <laughs> <laughs>